Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Wherever you are, this is Michelle and Serena, and this is From From the the Root, Root. a discussion-based podcast centered for holistic wellness through our lived experiences as Black queer people. Hey y'all, and welcome to episode three of From the Root. This week, we're going to talk about the ego. And to kick off today's episode, I wanted to ask Michelle a few questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do it. Yeah, Yeah, actually, my partner originally introduced me to this. So this is also a cute first date as well thing to do. But also just a good way to get to know somebody a little bit better. All right, so this is called a walk in the woods test, relational psychology test for folks that want to look it up later. All right, Michelle, you picture yourself walking through a beautiful forest. The sun is out. There's a perfect breeze. It's just beautiful. Now, as you're walking down this path, I want you to look to your right. Somebody's standing there. Who are you walking with? I'm picturing my brother. Okay, your brother. All right. All right, you're going to keep walking. And as you're walking, you come across an animal. What kind of animal is it? It's a horse. Okay, a horse. You decide to walk up to the animal, to this horse. What does the horse do? It neighs. Okay. All right. Yeah. How so? When it's neigh, how do you, how do you interact with the horse? How do you feel? I'm petting the horse, and the horse is happy to see me. All right. So you continue to walk deeper into the woods, and you come to a clearing. In this clearing, there is a house there. Can you describe this house to me? How big is it? What does it look like? Any features of it? It's like a medium-sized cottage. It has a chimney with smoke coming out of it, a bright red door. Um, it has like those big like rocks on the walls of the house on the outside mm-hmm. um, with windows. It looks inviting. It looks cheerful and like something you would imagine in like a children's novel Hmm. or children's book children's book-esque yeah magical cottage house magical i love that yeah all right so you walk up to the door of the home to this cottage and it's open a bit and you enter into this home and you see a table can you describe to me what's on this table Um, it's a big wooden table and it has a bowl and a plate with some mysterious soup that's very warm. Anything else on the table? Mm. Uh, My brother is ready to snack down on this table (laughs) (laughs) and he has his meal in front of him, but it's not soup. It's like chicken. He's eating like a chicken with vegetables things that my brother would actually eat (laughs) 
but not soup. <laughs> no, not really soup. All right, so you finish looking around the house and you decide to leave out the back door. There's a huge lawn and in the center is a garden. In the garden, you find a cup. So I want you to go ahead and pick up that cup. What mm. is the cup made of? Oh, it's a porcelain cup. All right, so what do you decide to do with that cup? There's tea in it, so I kind of want to sip a little bit of it, although I'm a stranger's house, so I probably shouldn't. (laughs) (laughs) The house is yours. (laughs) Oh, the house is mine? Oh, great. Then I'm drinking the tea. (laughs) Okay, so you drink the tea With leaves from my garden. (laughs) Okay, as you walk to the end of the garden, you find that there's a body of water there. What kind of water is it? I'm seeing a river we're in a mm-hmm. forest so it'd be weird for it to be a beach but yeah i see a, i see a river okay is this a the big river a small river it's like a very small river mm-hmm. bigger than a stream but still a small river all right so you need to cross this water in order to get home so how do you get across this water there's like rocks on it of various levels and you're basically trying to jump over to make sure that your feet don't get wet all right so did you did you get wet as you were crossing or you stayed dry you managed to stay dry my brother made it out fine but i got wet okay (laughs) makes sense he's taller (laughs) he's got longer legs yeah he's got longer legs All right. Ready for some answers? Yes. Tell me about me. (laughs) Okay. So the person you're walking with is the person who is most important to you in your life. So that's your brother. (laughs) The size of the animal you come across, which was a horse, is a representation of the size of your problems. So... It's kind of like in between, you know, it wasn't a mouse, but it wasn't, (laughs) yeah, exactly. Um, And so, and it says, if your action was more severe, it means you tend to be more aggressive. If it was peaceful, then you're more passive. Um, And also how you respond to the animal is like how you treat your problems. So you decided to pet your problems. So it means you kind of approach your problems like it's something that you can handle, you can deal with. And the size of your house is a representation of the size of your ambitions. You said a medium-sized cottage. Hmm. And if there's no fence, does that feel accurate? Yeah, that feels right. (laughs) Um, And if there's no fence around the house, which you didn't describe once, that means you tend to be more open. You also specifically said that this was inviting. So it sounds like in general, you tend to be very open. Aww. So cute. <laughs> <laughs> and as you walked into the house, um, what you saw on the table, um, it said if it wasn't food, people, or flowers, it indicates some kind of an unhappiness, but you described food and your brother there eating, so that indicates happiness. Um, and then when you went outside, there was a cup there. So it says how durable the cup you found was a representation of how strong your relationship is with the person in the first part of the story. So you described it as porcelain. And then what you do with it is representative of your attitude towards them. So you drank from the cup. So it sounds like 
you know, um, a very interactive, a very close relationship with the cup mm. if you're going to drink out of it. And then as you kept going, the size of the body of water is related to the size of your sexual drive. And then if you became very wet, it indicates that sex is important to you. If you're not very wet, it means it's less important. Oh, of course it's important to me. (laughs) So you said you got wet. (laughs) So it seems like it's important. So yeah, so that's the the little analysis there. How okay. accurate did that feel? That felt very accurate, but now it's weird that my brother crossed the water <laughs> with me. <laughs> I don't feel comfortable with that part, but I'm glad he made it out dry because I don't need to know about anything that's going on over there. So well, you know, I appreciate your dedication to bringing bringing him along with you. <laughs> I feel like it's interesting because a lot of people don't necessarily, at least the few times I've heard people do this, they don't always put people at the table. So I thought that was an interesting, even the person who came with you, you know. So I think that was an interesting aspect of it. Oh, it felt like it went along with the storyline because, like, why would he just be with me, like, at one part of the forest and just disappear? (laughs) True. Very true. (laughs) And I don't remember, maybe when I had that done to me, I told the person that maybe they said that the person disappeared, but I don't remember. So, hmm. Oh, that's cute. I like that. I do feel like a medium house ambition because <laughs> <laughs> like a lot of things stop me from doing what I want to do. Like it takes a lot of like mental force to be like, all right, let's do this. Mm-hmm. like once I'm doing it it's fine but starting it is hard like starting med school was hard doing this Ooh. podcast I mean how long did that's it take before hard. we actually committed to this <laughs> <laughs> that's true that's true yeah yeah yep <laughs> that feels right <laughs> we are talking about what's the ego today um so to get us kicked off I guess I can share the definition for ego so the first definition is a definition that I put together myself and then the next one I'll share is from a website so the ego is who you think you are it's the stories you create about yourself or have been told by others and continue to perpetuate an opinion of who you should be rooted in external factors. And so that's what I put together after like doing a bunch of research. It's not what you're going to find if you go to dictionary.com, but I feel like dictionary.com is also always very lacking. Mm, yeah, it, does. it is. I have problems with yeah. dictionary.com because I hate when it like defines something with the words you looked up. It's like, right? I mean, how does that's that work? Like, They teach that in school. Defeats the purpose. (laughs) The worst. Yeah, like it really frustrates me when that happens. They really need to step that up. Yeah. Especially words that will be like egoism or something. Like Mm -hmm. a word that has the root of that and they'll use the root word. I'm like, you didn't help me. Like, (laughs) did did you think I knew the root word and not this? Like, I don't really understand what they're thinking about. But yeah. (laughs) I, I agree with that. Um, I have the definition from holistic psychologists as the ego is the I 
It is how you see yourself. It is the part of your mind that identifies with traits, beliefs, and habits. Your ego is an unconscious part of your mind. Mm. So I feel like all of that kind of aligns. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, especially that unconscious part, because I feel like we're not aware of it. <laughs> and I feel like, um, especially because it's not like something people talk about, really, you know, no, I, people would say, and I think like, when I think of ego, I feel like one of the first things I think of is Beyonce's song. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <you>. Yeah. <laughs> but I just feel like, that's that's like a celebration of ego because she's like yeah love is big ego (laughs) well i feel like you know she was talking about more than just the ego but like um yes (laughs) i mean confidence is great ego it it depends like it could be a good Mm -hmm. thing or it could be a bad thing it really depends on who you like how you're seeing yourself at the moment yeah if you have awareness of it yeah yeah um yeah so one of the other definitions i found on loner wolf it says your ego is usually constructed of a name a personality and a story and i really like that part about stories because i feel like it makes it easier to frame and understand the ego when instead of fixating on okay well what are these qualities think of it as what is the story that Mm -hmm. I'm telling about myself or that other people are telling about themselves um so with that being said Michelle Mm -hmm. first question of the day is what stories (laughs) what stories do you tell about yourself and do you need to change or release any of these stories um, it's interesting that you say that. The first one that's coming to mind is that I'm on a mission. So, like, mm-hmm. to me, coming to Arizona <laughs> to be in med school, like, this is a mission. Um, because I am in here for med school. And once med school is over, I am leaving here. And mm-hmm. that is a story that I tell myself, that this is just a mission. It's going to get done. You know, only a little over two years left and then I'm out of here. So that's one story I tell myself. Um, I think for me, it's a lot of like identities. So like I'm smart, I'm funny, I'm tall, relative, um, depending on who you are, I'm tall. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, I think a lot of them have a lot to do. I mean, all of ego has to do with your life experiences because they are based off of external things. so I think all of my stories are centered around that. So smart, I'm in med school, so I have to know something. Um, funny, because I think I make my friends laugh a decent amount. And yeah, so those are the stories I tell myself. Uh, what about you? What are some stories you tell yourself? Uh, so some of the stories, current stories that I tell myself, um, I say that I'm an activated healer. Um, I'm clairsentient. I am a daughter, a sister, a friend. Um, and, you know, I think the stories, the stories like 
you know, activated healer or clairsentient, I think those can feel really good, but it's easy to, um, it's very easy for my ego to come in and be like, oh, you're special, you're different, Mm -hmm. and then, like, run with, run really far with that, um, in a way that I feel like is detrimental, because ultimately, I feel like, you know, these aspects that I have about myself, um, traits or skills or personality um, types, they're present for me in order to evolve, to grow, to learn, and to do that in relationship with others um, and to connect with others. Um, So I feel like those feel good, but there comes a time where like sometimes you need to release that. And so I feel like for a lot of my life, I identified as an empath Mm. and I know you follow Miriam Hasna as well. And she talks a lot about being a retired empath and that resonated with me a lot, especially because I, as I more closely like examine this concept of being an empath, what it really came down to for me is I felt like it was having bad boundaries um, and crossing boundaries, not with just with myself, but with other people mm. and using my empathy um, to as an excuse for that, you know, being like, oh, well, I felt this, you know, I felt, you know, this happen or this in your energy. But it's like, And I think it's something that when you start to do it, then you use that to rationalize like your responses or your interactions with people. And it's like, that's overstepping a boundary with other people because unless somebody invites me in, I shouldn't be all up in your energy. Like, you know, unless you're projecting at me, like that's, that's one thing. And that's also gets into like, how good are my protective boundaries from other people if people are always projecting at me and I'm not able to block that out. I'm just absorbing everything. So I do feel like those are stories I've had to kind of check myself on and not like allow myself to be like, you know, these are things I experience because I it's designed to help me connect with other people in meaningful ways um, to meet other people that are similar to me, different to me, that balance me in those ways. Um, and so I feel like that's something older that I've released. And more recently, I've been working on releasing independence, um, that I am independent. And I was raised by a single mom. I, since I was 19, have pretty much been financially independent. Um, So that's something that I feel like has been so core to who I am of being like, I'm on my own. I got to do this on my own to my detriment Mm. because, you know, it would result in, and, and I was thinking about this earlier before coming in here, um, I would not ask for help until it was past the point that I should have asked for help. And so I remember one time, like, I was sick. I was very sick. I couldn't go to work. I, my lights had been shut off in my apartment. Um, 
I think my phone was about to get shut off too. And I'm like on the phone trying to like advocate to get my lights back on. I think, and I had taken off a day of work to go and try to get social services. They had denied me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or I think they gave, they're like, we can give you $20. I'm like, that's not going to do anything. No, that's not going to do anything. <laughs> and, and it was because I was so very bad at asking for help and feeling like I needed to do everything all on my own. And it's like, you know, now years later, looking back and reflecting on it, I was like, there are so many different things I could have done up until that point. And that's not to say that it might still not have happened, but to say that, you know, even if somebody didn't have money to give me, I could have been at their place instead of sitting in my home in the dark. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's, that's ongoing work. Like I have been working on releasing that for a while. And I think that's also part of this is that people need to understand is that this doing this type of work is not like, Oh, I took a class and I got it and now I'm healed. Like now I've been working on this a while because it's very deeply ingrained in me because of what was shown to me um, of my own patterns Mm -hmm. and you know, so that's something I'm working on releasing every day by just making different choices than I've made in the past. That's great. Now that you've said all of that, like more things are popping up in my head. Um, I think one big one was like when I was doing a lot of like um, organizing work with um, specific organizations, like I started identifying very heavily as like black queer feminist and that's great except for the fact that it took over everything else like there was Mm -hmm. no balance it was like oh I'm a black queer feminist so like all these things are going to happen to me because I'm a black queer feminist and like Mm -hmm. what you want me to just get over this how am I supposed to when I'm a black queer person like Mm -hmm. I have all these struggles and it almost like created a ceiling for me because I was sitting in this this uh this story or this narrative of me being uh black queer person and these are all the struggles that I have to deal with as this type of person that I was limiting myself I thought like you know like everybody is this and everybody is that so therefore nobody's going to be able to help me nobody's going to want to help me because of all these identities and it's like as much as all of these identities are true, I'm still a human being. Like I still have to Mm -hmm. make an effort and try. I can't just assume that people are going to write me off because I am A, B, C, and D because I'm more than just that. And I think that's part of it is like your ego can have you, or if you sit in one identity for too long, it'll make you feel like all you are is this one thing. And I'm not just this one thing. Like, yes, I am... 100% a black queer feminist non-binary woman person but at the same time I'm also charismatic and intelligent and smart and interesting and engaging and those are the traits that allow me to break that glass ceiling and there was never a ceiling I just created the ceiling Mm -hmm. for myself based off of the oppression that a majority of us face and I think like I had to take time off of social media because you keep seeing all these things on Instagram of like, this happened to this black person. And Mm. this is what happens when you are this. And this is how much we make to this dollar. And this is how much they value you in real real estate versus what they value white people. And like all of those things are 100% true, but I don't need to think about that all the goddamn time. Like I deserve (laughs) to take a break and just like 
mm-hmm. try to do things the way that I need to do them and without letting all these things burden me down to the point where I create my own ceiling. Because I feel like that's kind of the point. It's like it creates your own ceiling for you, telling you that you can't be all of these things that you 100% can be. So um, that had to change. Um, there was another narrative. Oh, when I grew up, like, I was constantly told no. Like, my parents told me no for everything. So, like, <laughs> I wasn't allowed to watch TV. I wasn't allowed to do this. I wasn't allowed to join um, after-school activities. And going from being told no your, literally your entire life to then becoming 18, an adult, or, like, 21, an adult, and having autonomy over myself, like, I wanted to change that immediately. I was like, I'm not going to sit over here and let – the narrative of my overbearing, very strict parents limit me from being everything I can. Like, yes, you did not get the childhood that you would have preferred. But at the same time, that doesn't mean as an adult, I can't then live my best and full life. So that was a narrative I needed to take away as well as I'm still trying to process like subconsciously all these no's and understanding that I'm well, like I am deserving of yeses. I get yeses a lot of the time. I may not be able to manifest it in the way that I want to, but I am receiving more yeses now in my life than I ever have before. Like, you know, we can, I'm capable of doing so many things and I definitely have limited myself by thinking that all I'm going to receive is a no. But most of the time when I ask for things, I'm more likely willing to receive them. Or if I ask and I do get a no, it doesn't stop me from doing anything. Usually I just have to work around it or find a different resource. So, um, those are definitely some narratives I had to change about myself. And I think that's also something to consider with the ego is that like a lot of times we do give ourselves these narratives and these storylines for ourselves without recognizing that our lives are much bigger than that. And it doesn't have to be just that. And the question then becomes, are you ready to remove yourself from this narrative onto something else? Like, do you, or are you so attached to this story and to this narrative that you've created and other people have created for you that you don't know who you'll be without it? Mm -hmm. So those are things that I think are important for people to understand and to realize because when you become self-aware enough to recognize what narrative you've been telling yourself or you've been telling other people, like, I've been through this trauma and this trauma was so awful and blah, blah, blah. Like, yes, this trauma was terrible, but are you ready to move outside of that? Are you ready to change your mindset about it? Because this was normalized to you and you grew up thinking this way and you've moved in this way that allowed for, unfortunately, these patterns to happen. And that's terrible and it's not your fault. Yes. But are you willing to do the work that it takes in order to move away from this narrative and away from this identity you so heavily identified with to something else? And it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of um, changing your mindset and how you think, which involves like way more self-awareness than I think people recognize. Because every time you try, you have to catch yourself. Like mm-hmm. you have to catch yourself going into the story. And that's hard because if you're so used to the story being a part of your life, you don't even recognize that you're doing it. But at some point you have to be able to catch yourself and be like, no, I'm not going to go and spiral down this path. What can I do to change this at this moment? Because mm-hmm. you always have a choice. Yeah. Even, you know, 
where like people will present things like, well, I only had one choice and like that, that was all. And it's like the choice, the options may not be the best. They may not be what you want. Cause a lot of times the option we're looking for is not present or the option that we think we should have, you know? And I think that's, I like what you said because I feel like that also gets into the, the story, the narrative of being a victim and that's something that has been present throughout my life in various ways. And it's like, yeah, I have been a victim, but I don't want to allow that to be my main narrative <laughs> that I'm telling because the reality is, is that whatever your story is, you will find confirmate, like confirmation of that. Yeah. You will find, yeah. So if, you're, if your story is like, I am a survivor or I'm, or even better, like I'm a thriver. Like that's what I'm moving into. I've been through all these other things, but I am thriving. You'll find confirmation of that. And if the story is just that I am a victim, um, then you're going to find confirmation for that. And, um, you know, when I was organizing, I experienced, you know, a very similar um, reaction to, all of the stimuli of all of these experiences, all of the oppression black, queer women and femmes face, like that is there. There is something happening like every minute throughout the world. There is, there is, that's there. And then there's also the joy and the beauty out there as well and the community and the connection. And, it, and I was like, I can't continue to let that be the story because that's tearing me down on the inside. And I was so angry. Like, I remember when I was doing this organizing work, like, it, I, like, it showed up physically in my body because that was what my, I was letting my story be. And it's like, those things are true. It doesn't change the fact that those things are true, but that's not all I am. That's not all we are. That's not the whole story. And that's not the part of this. Then I had to get to a space where I was like, that's not the part of the story that I want to focus on. And that's when I like shifted it towards healing. And I was like, this is where I'm at right now. I was like, I need to heal and let that be the story. Exactly. Exactly. Because there's definitely some narratives I've taught myself or I've, I've lived with. And then I taught myself that, okay, well, this is your narrative. And now I'm just like, okay. Let's move away from that. I don't want to dwell on the past anymore. I'm tired of thinking about the scenario. I am an overthinker and I will relive a memory over and over and over again. And it will just torture me. And mm. after a while, I was like, okay, you have to stop dwelling. You have to move on. Like, it's hard, especially if you are constantly used to torturing yourself with your own memories and like, what could you have done differently? It's hard to move on from that point. But then you just teach yourself, like, you're falling for it again. Stop doing this. Mm -hmm. And that changes things because it allows you to move on. Like, I'm somebody who doesn't date often. I date, <laughs> I date, I guess, when I feel prepared to, which takes time. I've experienced a lot of trauma with dating. And, like, I, like, oh, God. Um... Like, for instance, my last relationship was five years ago, and I've been celibate for two years because I wanted to take time from the past and, like, make sure I'm 100% healed before moving on. 
and I'm realizing that there's no such thing as being like, obviously there's no such thing as being a hundred percent healed. It's not like, I don't know that, but for some reason in this narrative of my life of dating, I just allowed for this narrative to be like, no, you have to be a hundred percent healed. So that when you're in your next relationship, you're a bad bitch. And it's like, okay, <laughs> girl, you are a bad bitch. I'm going to just say that now. <laughs> Thank you. It's like, it's not about necessarily being a hundred percent healed. Like now I'm like using this phrase that is about love, wisdom, and discernment. And it's, it helps me mm-hmm. to like become more trustful of myself. Let me, I wrote it down because I never remember just saying it. I have the power of love, wisdom, and discernment to be vulnerable with others, knowing that at any time I can remove myself and my blessings from people and spaces that don't serve me. Like... Being able to say that in my head and being like, you have love, wisdom, and discernment. You do not have to worry. Like, you can trust yourself. Like, I know it's been tough. Dating has not been easy. And you weren't able to trust yourself in the past. It's okay. You can trust yourself because you will grow from it. And that's allowed me to be a lot more open with dating now. And now I can finally kind of have fun because I'm like, okay, at any point, I could just remove myself from the narrative if if, if this doesn't work like (laughs) I don't my presence exactly like I'm not worried about staying in something and being worried about like am I lonely or any of that I can just be like no 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 you've got the tools you need you've worked on this it doesn't mean that you have to be 100% healed but a lot of like there's work I'm gonna have to do within a relationship in order to understand it but I can't do that Mm -hmm. if I'm not dating because I'm scared so changing the narrative for that was very very important beautiful thank you for sharing that yeah that That was a weird thing you are a blessing (laughs) thank you moving on to our second question and i feel like we kind of got into this so we might just have um a little bit more to go off of but Mm -hmm. You know, and I want to also state that the ego is not a bad thing. The ego is just, it just is. And so I definitely want to make that clear. So anybody preaching, like, get rid of your ego, like, that's not reality. Um, it's, it's what you, it's a tool. It's a feature of who we are as humans and our human experience. And it's what you do with it. Um, so in what ways has your ego positively or negatively impacted you? Um, I mean, it's positively impacted me in the sense that like, uh, um, I used to be told that I was malicious, manipulative, um, violent, but malicious and manipulative were like the top two like I was like almost like if I was like some kind of disturbed sociopathic child or something um Mm -hmm. and I didn't know if that was true or not because I was still living with the people that were calling me that and moving and living on my own has helped me to realize there's no way that I'm malicious and manipulative because I'm too lazy to be malicious or manipulative. <laughs> it takes a lot of work to do that kind of thing. Like you have to be thinking about it and like plotting against people. Yeah. It takes and some intent. It takes a lot of it takes a lot of intent and work and will. And I'm tired almost all the time. So I don't have the energy to be manipulative of other people and try to like 
switch the narrative i don't have to, i don't have time for any of that and on top of it like i'm literally in my own little la la land all of the time so i don't have time to remove myself from that in order to go and manipulate other people so mm-hmm. i learned that that narrative did not exist and it ended up being replaced with i'm goofy i'm silly i really love dancing in my apartment alone I love making body butters. I love herbs. I had no idea how much I love herbs until now. I absolutely am obsessed with plants. And if anybody would like to get me a pink princess philodendron, I would really appreciate it. I mean, I might be asking too early, but I would really Call it in, baby. Call it in. Because <laughs> I really want that plant, but unfortunately, it is above the budget that I currently have, not the budget that I will have. I um, learned a lot more about myself living on my own. I would suggest that everybody does at some point in their life because it really does make a difference to understand like what kind of person you are. Are you a messy person, organized person? Um, What kind of traits do you have? Do you enjoy cooking, not like cooking? Can you learn these things? Can you be independent? But also like it helped me to realize I am very, very silly. I am very, very weird on my own. I really, really love herbs. I really, really love plants. I love crystals. I like a lot of different things that I don't think I would have known for sure and that I'm way too lazy to be manipulative and I'm more of a I'm a very loving person I'm a very loving and open person but if I get crossed I don't tend to go back to being that with whoever crossed that Mm -hmm. like I'm just kind of like this is it I'm done thank you very much Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. that's discernment discernment Mm -hmm. that's that discernment (laughs) what about you what are some things that have positively, has your ego positively or negatively impacted? Hmm. I would say in one way, um, ego's positively impacted me because it's created a sense of self-esteem and a sense of confidence, but where I feel like the benefits of that ends is because is when that's too much in relation to other people and what they're doing. So, you know, quoting Queen Cardi, <laughs> I'm my own competition. I'm competing with myself. That's to me where I feel like I need to sit in and be in because it's like, I'm not looking over. She's not looking over here. Like what's this rapper doing? What's how they're doing it? No, like, if other people inspire you, beautiful. But comparison is the thief of joy. And so if I allow my ego to take hold, I'm too busy looking like, like you said, where you, you go into a space. I don't know if we said that on the podcast. No, we didn't. Before. It's okay. We could tell the story after. <laughs> <laughs> but if you go into the room and you're, you're so self-conscious of yourself because you're looking around, what is everybody else doing? How are they seeing me? Rather than just coming in there and being like, how do I feel in this space? You know, like, what, what do I want to bring to this space? Do I want to dance? Do I want to go get a drink? How do, do I want to go talk to people? Like, whose energy am I feeling attracted to? That's when you're sitting in your own energy rather than being like, what are they thinking? Or like, how should I move? Or what should I do? Like, I don't, you're not being true to yourself because then you're boxing yourself in and being like, I can't move outside of that. So I feel like, you know, on the one hand, you know, I'm somebody who, like, at a young age, I excelled at a lot of things, like, in school and um, physical activities and um, 
you know, was praised for those things. But, you know, again, that's the way our society creates it. It's always in comparison to other people. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I've had to learn to move away from that, especially, especially as an artist, um, because I feel like when I'm creating art, I can't be looking at what everybody else is doing because then my art's not going to be as authentic as it could be. And honestly, I feel like that sweet spot you find in art is when you're really just in your own head or even connecting with other people and you let that flow and then just something new comes forth as opposed to let me try and see what they're doing over here because other people like it, you know, but it's like, I'm, I am not for everybody mm-hmm. and that's okay. And I think that's also an important aspect that you have to learn in order to have a healthy ego is that everybody's not going to like me. Everybody's not going to like what I create and that's okay. It doesn't mean that what I have is not valuable. It just means it's not for them. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I don't want to be for everybody. <laughs> like, I don't like people that much. <laughs> yeah. Miriam Hasnaya has like a great quote where she says something like, I'm grateful that I'm not for everybody. And it's like, yes, uh, please. I wish people understood that more. I never, like, that's one of the other things about ego is, like, you hear people who, I hear the ego of I'm too nice so often. Mm, And, like, mm -hmm. ever since I was a kid, I remember hearing that and being like, if there's anything I don't want on my gravestone, do not ever (laughs) put that I am a nice person. Because that, to me, means literally nothing. It just Mm. is how you are. I feel like niceness is a performative act. Like it's like what people first see, like it's exchanging pleasantries and being like, Oh, that person's yeah. nice. Like when you don't know what to describe a person beyond that, or you don't know them that well, Oh, you're a really nice person. And it's like, <laughs> I don't care about that. Like I am not a yeah. nice person. I am a good person. I may not come off the greatest when you first meet me, depending on who you are. Um, but when you get to know me over time, I am absolutely fantastic. And mm-hmm. you're not going to know that at first, depending on how I am, depending on what spaces I move in, because I'm different depending on who I'm with and everything. So, like, you know, everybody's first impression changes. You know, you're not always going to be the same. It depends on your environment and everything. And I'm somebody who, like, if I'm with a whole bunch of people I do not know and I'm just getting to know the room, I'm just checking the vibe. Like, I'm not mm-hmm. going to be as uh, forward with my personality Versus over time, if you get to know me, especially on a more intimate level, that's when I come out. So like most of the time when I'm like the most, the loudest with a group of people, it's because I intimately know a majority of the people in that space. So then for the person that's new in that space, they're like, oh my gosh, she's so much fun. But you would never know that if like I had met you with a group of people that I've never seen before because then I'm super quiet. So that whole niceties thing, I hate it. I think people need to move away from that narrative. There are too many people who are living in that and they just let their boundaries be crossed over and over again. Hmm. Who cares if you're not for everybody? There's six, how many millions of people are there in this world? You think you're going to get along with every single one of them? Like, please (laughs) enjoy having enemies. It's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Have rivals, burn bridges. (laughs) Burn them. Burn them down. Before moving on to the next one, I'm curious of like, what are some stories that people have put on you that Mm. you've had to change from or some that you've accepted? 
good question. As you were speaking, I was actually, that was triggering a story. Um, and so I'll say on the one hand, um, especially I would say uh, during high school, probably into college, um, more so I would say high school though this is probably a story that continued and I just like high school, you know, it's a smaller community. You hear more stuff as opposed to college and everything after that. But being told I was stuck up, I was cold, I was unfriendly. um, That was a story other people would put on me um, or saying that I was shy. And I know we talked a bit about this earlier and you know, and I felt that, oh, that story of me being shy was true for many years. And I accepted that about myself. Um, And even I would say that's even very recently that I was like, I'm not really shy. It's just I'm discerning with who I really want to connect with. And I, and I don't feel like I need to connect with everybody. But I would say in reaction to hearing those things, which, you know, it doesn't feel good. (laughs) be told those things. And so my reaction was, and I attribute this to my Libra rising and a lot of people get on Libra and call them two-faced and say they're, they're because, you know, they're two-faced. And I would say that's rooted in because Libra is known as wanting to be charming and pleasing to everybody in an unevolved and unhealthy way that shows up in being nice. And so people, then my story being like, oh, she's so nice. She's so sweet. She's so giving. And so to overcompensate because all these other people are telling me like, oh, I'm stuck up, I'm cold, you know, I did all these things to be nice, to be considered giving and um, doing too much because I, and then for a while I prided myself on being like, oh, I'm, I'm so likable, I get along with everybody. And I feel like that was probably my story up until like a few years ago. And I was like, I don't want to be liked by everybody. And that's a story I've been breaking out of. Um, so, uh, yeah, that was that's definitely a story. Some, sto- some stories that I prescribed to because, you know, it was at the time a defense mechanism and felt like that's what I needed to do because I wasn't at a secure enough space in myself to be like, listen, some people are going to mark you down as this and that's what it is Mm -hmm. um you can't change everybody's mind you don't you don't need that's not that's not on me that's not my work to do my work is being secure in who I am and connecting with the people I'm meant to and it's not everybody is what I discovered (laughs) yeah that's very real because you'll meet some unhealthy people out there who you might want to like let them establish some boundaries with or let them know something about themselves that they need to work on or maybe you need to cut that person off completely and they can change Mm -hmm. that whole thing to making themselves a victim and you're now the enemy or the bad guy or whatever in their storyline and you just have to accept it like you can't just be sitting over here like let me try to make them like me y'all you're gonna make somebody you don't like like you (laughs) for real like why I don't I mean I've since I was a kid I got bullied so much that after a while like I just had to accept the fact that people are just not going to like me so I've never really had the Mm. opportunity to ever be like oh my god I'm so well liked like I've always Mm -hmm. been like 
it's all right that everybody's gonna like you and it's fine because you know what it also kind of helps in the sense of I mean you shouldn't take everybody's word for their word um all the time like you should make your own decisions about people too but like you know you you do definitely associate people together you know what I mean if you see this person doing something horrible and you see the people that they hang out with that know that they're doing something horrible and you're just chilling with those people, people might associate you with that and then be like, mm, I don't know. They're friends with that person and they seem to be mm-hmm. real cool with that person. I don't know if I want that in my life. And um, that can change the way people think about you too. Not that you have to be worried about that because you're your own person. You do whatever you want to. But I'm just saying in general, that is something that I – you know, it makes people, like, a little more cautious of you at the beginning, too. Because it's kind of like, ugh. Mm-hmm. We all know that this person is not that great. And here you Birds are of a feather. Associating yourself with that person. Do I want to then associate myself with you if you're okay mm-hmm. with ABC behavior? Um, so it's something to, to consider. Like, you don't have to be friends with everybody. Not everybody's. It also helps people to be accountable for their actions, too. Like, when you're not trying to do all of that. But anyway, back to the subject. Yes, being nice isn't isn't a necessity. I am glad that you have grown out of that (laughs) (laughs) and learned to just, you know, let people think what they want to think. And then if they want to get to know you, they'll get to know you because the right people will align with you, you know? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Let that Virgo come through. Virgo don't give a shit about nothing. <laughs> that's like the one thing that's not in my chart at all. It makes me so really sad. Yes. Oh, you wanted some Virgo? <laughs> that's, I think that's why I like love Virgo friends because I'm like, I need this in my life. And that's kind of how I look. I remember, you, I remember you saying like comparing yourself to others. I don't think I I compare myself to others, but not in a in a sense of like, oh, this person got this. I'm like, oh, I need this. Let me just bring this person mm. onto my life so I can learn something from them. Mm. Because, like, for instance, like, you are way more grounded than I am. You've got things <laughs> planned out. You made a whole Excel spreadsheet. Things I would never consider doing. <laughs> like, I need that energy. Because, like, me, oh, <laughs> trying to spread. <laughs> I don't see that happening in my future. But it's, like, nice to be <laughs> to have friends who don't always have the same qualities as you. So I can might compare myself, but in a good way. Like, oh, I need this. Like, let me bring this person yeah. in. This person's good with social media. They seem to be out there. They look like they're having fun. They could be easygoing. I need that because I know I can be busy mm-hmm. sometimes. Like, that's yeah. the way I look at when, that's how I see things when it comes to comparing myself with others, I guess, with my ego. I like that, though. I think that's a very positive way to look at it. Um Yeah. It helps. Like I don't, I don't. I mean, I I don't think jealousy is a bad thing. I think it just is a thing, and like you have it or you don't. But I'm not typically yeah. a jealous person. I think that's part of the reason why. Because I'm like, oh, this person's like that. I need that. Oh, that girl's fine. Well, I mean, I like women, so <laughs> I can go the way. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you know, <laughs> yeah, it's been a good thing so far. All right, our last question of the podcast today. 
how do you go beyond the ego to allow the core of who you are to flow through? Can you, would you like to answer that question first, Serena? Sure, I will jump in. Um, so I do have a couple notes here. So one of the things I really liked when I was like doing research was it talks about how the ego is duality. And I have seen duality pop up in a lot of um, just my learnings about uh, different spiritualities um, and how duality is a very like Western modality and Western idea. It creates this dichotomy of good, bad, um, love, hate, right, wrong, black and white, like it erases everything in between and everything outside of. So even masculine, feminine is a duality. You know, we create this like very binary world where it's like it's either or, whereas um, the reality is like it's very, it's often not <laughs> either or. And a lot of times it's both. And um, I was reading something recently that talked about um, yin and yang. Um, or yin and yang, I think that's a proper way to pronounce it. Um, and how, you know, a lot of people assume that's like, oh, this is man, woman, but how in the spirituality, it's saying like, these are two forces that complete everybody and are in everybody. It's not saying that like, you know, you're a woman and so you're feminine and you're a man, so you're masculine. You know, it's saying that these are energies that everybody has. And I really love that because I feel like in a lot of Western application, it gets applied in, as with anything else in the Western world, it's hey, appropriated and then misapplied. Um, I just found out that yoga is pronounced yog, yog. So hmm. that was that was mind blowing. Um, I didn't know that either. But yeah. So one of the things I think that's really important is being able to release your attachment to duality. And I feel like once you start to really like understand and identify what duality is and where it shows up, you'll start to see that. And you'll see that in yourself and how the ego plays into being like, this is right or wrong. So I'm right in this situation. And that means everybody else is wrong rather than allowing space for nuance and allowing, allowing space for multiple truths. And so one of the ways I would say is to release duality in order to allow yourself to see reality, which is the opposite of duality, apparently. <laughs> yeah, that sounds great. I mean, this is going to bleed into so many topics in the future of that whole duality thing, because, you know, both of us identify as non-binary, so we don't we do not do that two thing anyway. We don't do that around here. <laughs> yeah, we don't do that around here. So we'll definitely get into more discussions about that, especially with the whole idea of good and bad or masculine and feminine mm. um for and but that's great like I love that because I do believe in that strongly there's so many options and even like we just went through this whole political situation over here and the idea of democrat and republican but there are so many people who don't identify as neither that are completely not represented in any of these parties yeah. and we need to change that like we have to mm -hmm. do something to change this and I mean, capitalism plays a big part of why those two still exist, but like, 
so many of us don't identify as either. Like nobody, people who will just assume I'm a Democrat, and I'm like, yeah, and I'm like, <laughs> don't get it twisted. Yeah, <laughs> I am so far left. Democrats can never. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> So how do you go beyond the ego to allow the core of who you are to flow through things? I think it's just a lot of self-awareness. Like, I I do a lot of, I try to be very self-aware, especially when it comes to other people or things that people tell me about myself. I will sit down and, like, Mm -hmm. consider it. Like, one time somebody mentioned that I might have, like, a victim complex. And I was Mm -hmm. like, do I? And that, like, I questioned myself a lot with that. And then I realized I do not. And, or I was told I was too emotional and I realized I embrace my emotions. That's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Um, self-awareness in the sense that like, if you do something wrong, are you willing to admit that, are you willing to humble your ego in order to, re- to like replenish a relationship? which comes up a lot. Um, I mean, it's the reason why people make or break relationships is if your ego is so high up that you cannot acknowledge anything that could be wrong. It's, it could be the idea of parents not apologizing to their children because I'm the parent Mm -hmm. and they're the kid. It could be, you know, the whole idea of you're wrong and I'm right. It can be anything like you committed the worst wrong so therefore i don't ever have to apologize because your wrong was worse than my wrong it can come up in so many ways um and it matters i mean i had to end a friendship because of the fact that one of my friends was not able to be accountable for their own actions and acknowledge their 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 um problems and it wasn't about mm-hmm. being wrong. It was just about changing a behavior. And they weren't allowing themselves to lower their ego enough for us to be friends. Actually, with that whole idea, I mean, my definition of love is the idea that my idea of love is the idea of wanting the best for somebody beyond your ego. So it's not about mm-hmm. sacrificing yourself in order for that person to be lifted up. It's about sacrificing your ego in the sense of becoming more humble in order for that person to be lifted up. My, my friend, Shanice, my best friend, she wanted, we, when we were both living in New York, New Jersey area, she wanted to move to Chicago for her job. I cried when she told me, Aww. but I was like, I'll be there for you. And I tried to help her move and support her through it because even though my ego would love for her to stay here with me on the East coast, I love her enough to know that if this is what's going to be best for her, if this is what she's excited for, I'm willing to allow my to myself to be humble in order for that to happen. It's the idea mm-hmm. of like parents, you know, raising a gay child that they weren't expecting or a trans child that they weren't expecting. Okay, I had these expectations for you, but I'm willing to humble my ego and these expectations that I was projecting onto you to allow you to yeah. grow up and be who you need to be. So having that self-awareness is important in order to recognize like, okay, is my ego limiting the relationships that I could be having with other people? And I feel like it's also the easiest way. It's hard to like recognize ego with yourself, or at least to me it is. But it is a lot easier when it comes to relationships with other people because it helps because you can make or break that relationship. You're always with yourself, but you can make or break relationships with other people based off of your ego. Mm Mm-hmm. And how you choose to handle things. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think um, 
that's one of the things I was thinking about is soliciting feedback from people that you love, people who love you and people that you trust. If you're comfortable for, I feel like people that want to intentionally do ego work, you can do all, you can do the work on your own. And I think there's a portion of it that's really important of mindfulness and like even using meditation to really get quiet and like hear just you, your consciousness, as opposed to this ongoing story that's playing out. Um, And that's one level of it. But ultimately, all of this work has to be done in relationship with others. And I think that's sometimes where people trip up and they're like, well, you know, I I spent all this time doing all of this work to be better. And it's like, but did you do it with other people? Because that's really where it comes in, you know? And so I think you can solicit feedback from people you trust to be like, hey, this is something you know, I've been thinking about. Do you have any feedback for me? Positive feedback, you know, constructive feedback from people can be really helpful um, when trying to work on your ego. Um, one of the other things I wanted to bring up is acknowledge your mirrors and so I don't know if you're familiar with the Essene teachings um it's a it's a a body of teachings that goes beyond this but it talks about mirrors and how you throughout your life you created soul agreements to meet mirrors of yourself and so my belief is that energetically Um, we were all created from the same source. We all came from oneness um, and this state of humanness. We, you know, have this um, facade, this veil of separateness. And so the people that I meet in my life, it's because we are more energetically closely related. We were born from energy that's more similar. Um, That's not to say that we're not all connected, just... So I believe you and I were meeting because we're energetically more close. We came from um, the same pool of energy is how I describe it. And we meet people in our life because they hold up different mirrors to us. And ultimately, the purpose of that is to learn lessons. And so I feel like that can show up when you meet somebody who really triggers you. And I feel like you know, a lot of times, like they say, like, you dislike in other people what you really dislike in yourself. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's one of the things that comes up is, like, people will hold up a mirror and you're like, ugh, I don't like that. And you're looking at them when really it's you're, – you're looking at yourself and you're seeing something you don't like about yourself. And so, you know, there's <laughs> the option of ignoring that, like – ending that relationship, ignoring that, you know, there's different ways to handle it. But I feel like ultimately, when you remove the ego, you need to be able to consciously recognize, oh, like this person is showing me something about myself. How would I want to be treated in this moment? Because ultimately, we want to be given that opportunity for growth and expansion. And you know, sometimes people don't rise to that opportunity that happens that relationship or that occurrence maybe only occurred for the purpose of you having that experience. And that's cool too. And then it's like, okay, so what are you going to do with that? Did you, were you able to see yourself clearly and what are you going to do with that knowledge? So I think that's um, 
one way to go beyond is working working in these relationships, allowing people to be your mirrors and not taking it as a negative thing, as, you know, good or bad, that it just is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that speaks to my soul. Um, <laughs> um, holistic, this holistic psychologist has conflicting opinions. Excuse me. The holistic psychologist has um, on her website, conflicting opinions or concepts often bring people to a place of anger because the ego feels the most out of control when it is challenged. And mm. that is true. So um, I definitely understand that. There was this one person that I used to work with a while back, but I could not stand her. She drove me crazy and she <laughs> irritated me to no end. And then eventually I realized that the reason why she irritated me so much is because she's such an anxious and nervous person. Mm. And I don't like that part of myself. Mm. And she's like a more extreme version of it, which is probably why I did not like her. (laughs) Mm. And understanding that made me tolerate her a lot more. We were never friends. Mm. She didn't like me either. So it was fine. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I that's a lot <laughs> but yeah I can trigger your own anxiety it's a, it's a lot mm-hmm. <laughs> so. yeah so that definitely is true so um last thing for people who are listening and want to work on exercising their ego and trying to be more self-aware what are things that you would recommend for them to do okay um For people that want to work on their ego, I would say journaling, writing, or even voice notes. There's a variety of things. Why I think this is is important, and when you do it, to try to do it as soon after something occurs as possible, our memories are not reliable. Our experiences of things are not reliable because it's all based on our perception. But when we journal things out or we create some kind of note, note keeping system, and this can just be as things happen, it allows you to look back and see patterns in a way that when it's occurring in the moment, you can't always do. I think it helps when you're journaling to just literally journal what happened, the facts in so much as the facts are ever the facts and how it made you feel. And one of the things I've noticed is when I go back and look at things, and it's really boring. I honestly hate journaling, like, what happened word for word. I think it's boring. But I like it when I go back and read it because it allows me to sit there and read and put myself back in that moment. And so journaling is one thing that can help you see the patterns and more more easily identify when your ego happens. Um, And then I feel like once you begin to see those patterns, you're more likely to recognize them going forward. I'd recommend that. I recommend meditation and mindfulness practices. And there's so many, so many different apps. Um, You can do that. You don't need an app. There's many different types of meditation. Mm -hmm. Again, like um, sitting still, being quiet is one of them, but there are other ways, moving, movement meditations, dance meditation, walking meditations, um, being quiet and sitting with yourself and letting those thoughts come up and 
when we're constantly surrounded by outside noise, that can cause you to disconnect from who you are and how you're really feeling because you have this constant stream of external stimuli. And sometimes I get to the point where I'm like, I just need to unplug. I go off Instagram, you know, I may not connect with as many people like outside and I'm just like, and I'll, and I'll meditate and I'll do things like that to get quiet and see what comes up. And then we talked a little bit about this earlier. Um, using psychedelics, I think, is for people that are interested um, and want to delve into that, do it safely, do it under advisement from people you trust. I have personally used that and experienced um and I liked how you said earlier, Michelle, when we were talking before this, how once you open the door, you can't close it. And that was definitely my experience with psilocybin is that it opened a doorway that subsequently changed my experiences after that. Hmm. So like my experiences with marijuana were not the same after that because yeah, so a- after that, sometimes I'll have similar experiences with weed. And, and that weed is also tricky because there's so many different strains. So mm-hmm. it's not always a reliable experience. But with psilocybin, it really is designed to kind of drop away the ego. And so I will say, if you are in a bad place, you have not done a lot of healing, shadow work, it can be a bad experience. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like psilocybin is probably one of the better entryways if you want to try. Like, don't jump to ayahuasca or peyote first because Mm -hmm. those are legit designed for you to have an experience and you to see yourself. And if you haven't looked at yourself already, that can be a very terrifying experience. Um, But psilocybin is a great way to start. Uh, so I recommend that for people that want to use it. And I, and I also think it's really important to get in like using it mindfully and intentionally, because if you want to just get high, yeah, there's that option. But you, if you want to have a spiritual experience or use this for personal growth, personal development, healing, that is what, um, you know, indigenous people throughout the world, you know, because throughout the world, you know, Um, indigenous people to the Americas, indigenous black folks um, have used various natural um, mood altering substances for spiritual growth and development. You know, they weren't always, they weren't like, I just want to trip today. Or maybe sometimes they were, and that's valid too. But also being mindful that a lot of these substances were used explicitly for that purpose and not just to like, let me go and trip. Um, so I think that's another way uh, that people can go beyond the ego. Okay. I have to say this <laughs> for legal reasons. I am not suggesting anybody take psychedelics. I am not recommending this. But what I will say is that if you do decide to do that on your own, not due to the influence of me personally, do not include me in this. Um, <laughs> consider the origins of where the plant is coming from. So, for instance, 
psilocybin is mushroom. Um, someone who has done extensive work with that is Maria Sabina. Um, unfortunately, people have tried to erase her work, but look her up, understand the intention behind the psychedelic before using it. Do not just take this and think that this is a fun thing to do at raves because you're not going to get the magic that really comes from it. The magic doesn't come from taking the medicine. The magic comes from the intent behind taking the medicine. And that's going to make a huge impact on how you respond to it. You need to make sure you are in a place where you are ready, as Serena has said. Do not just take it without knowing where you are mentally because that can trigger panic attacks and other things. Be cautious of how you're using this medicine. Do the work before you choose to do it. Um, another thing, ayahuasca. There are a lot of white people here in America that are going to try to give you ayahuasca and tell you it's an authentic experience. It's not. It's not. Because you know why? Because ayahuasca doesn't come from here. It comes from South America. Um, one of the places I know that you can do ayahuasca is in Peru with actual shamans, not white people appropriating this for a profit. Make sure that you are doing it with real people who really care and have the actual care and the history and the ancestral knowledge behind using these things than deciding that you're going to just do it for fun. You can, that's your choice, but I'm telling you that if you are trying to get a magical, better understanding of yourself, if you're trying to heal yourself from physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual ailments, Use these things with intentions and find out the origin of them before deciding that you're going to take them and be cautious of who gives it to you because you do not want to take something that is laced and so on and so forth. So mm. those are all my thoughts about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and you do as you will. But once again, I am not recommending this nor suggesting <laughs> this being the fact that I am in a, uh, a career path that could lead to anything. I am not taking any responsibility for anything that anybody does. This is not a recommendation on my part. Um, As far as the ego and other things that I would suggest, I would suggest figuring out how you identify what stories and narratives that actually play in your Mm -hmm. life. Write these things down. Write it down as it comes to you. Write things down that you are actively rejecting. What are things that give you a visceral reaction when you think about how you do not want to identify with and what, um, ideas and ideologies do you reject and not identifying with is it because it doesn't align with you morally or do you just reject Mm -hmm. it because you don't identify as that without knowing anything about it because one of the things about the ego is as we said when it when you challenge when it's challenged when it's challenged (laughs) you can reject things so quickly and judge them so quickly because you think that this is so far away from who you are and you don't want to challenge yourself But the great thing about adding to it and like making the time to understand something that you might completely reject, if not for moral reasons, um, is that it can add to who you are and add to who you know. For instance, I rejected polyamory. I thought it was dumb. I thought you just basically wanted your partner to leave you, which is the reason why you would sign up for some nonsense (laughs) like that in the first place. Duh. But then... (laughs) As I learned about it, I understood the I understood the idea behind it, the beauty behind it, how beautiful it can be, depending on how people choose to use it, how much communication and intention goes behind polyamory, and it also taught me a little bit about myself because now I can learn, I've learned 
whether it's something that I 100% am not here for or if it's something that I'm willing to experiment with and learn if that um, is something else that I could identify with. So challenge yourself, challenge your ego, try to be more self-aware, figure out what's narratives playing your mind that you do not want to align with anymore. What are things that you want to outgrow? Um, so those are my suggestions as well to add to Serena's. <laughs> thank you, Michelle. And thank you for that disclaimer about Gotta um, say it. <laughs> psychedelics. And also important because yes, like it's not it's not some common street drug type of thing, you know. Do your research. Do your research. Do your research. <laughs> yes. And here's my nerd fact. Um, these things can also really alter the brain chemistry in your mind. So you cannot just decide mm-hmm. that you're going to do them all of the time because you will actually deplete yourself of the natural sources of those things. So like serotonin and dopamine make you feel amazing and make you feel fantastic. But if you decide that you're going to take things that enhance that all of the time, Um, without it being medically prescribed to you, you will lower your natural serotonin levels and and lower your um, dopamine levels. And then you're going to feel dependent on it in order for you to enjoy your life. So Mm -hmm. use these things with cautions. Make sure you have intent when you use them and use them very sparingly if you choose to, which I do not recommend. (laughs) (laughs) Disclaimer. Yes. (laughs) All right. Yeah. Um, any final thoughts before we move on to Shine Theory? No, I feel like I, I said everything. <laughs> you said it all. <laughs> what about for you? Cool. Do you have anything else you want to add? Mm. Oh, I don't think I touched on this. Did I, I do your shadow work? Mm. Yeah. That's um only thing I'll leave people with it's related to your ego we we could do a whole other episode on shadow work (laughs) Um, and yeah the shadow are the parts of ourself that we often don't like um, that we try to ignore suppress to hide to minimize and so that plays into our ego because again the ego um might try to play into having you ignore and suppress those. Um, and then when those parts of your shadow are triggered, that ego comes in to be like, no, that's not who I am. That, and it's like, calm down. That's, that's a part of who you are. Let's, let's look at it. Mm-hmm. Let's take it out and put the light on it. Put the light on the shadow and see what's going on there. Cause I feel like, I feel like that's what, you know, why it's called shadow work because it's like, it's really that these are the parts of yourself that are in shadow, mm. you know, and that you like, I don't really want to look at this. I don't want to deal with it. And then when you shine the light on it, you know, it's like, oh, okay, that's what's going on here. That's the root of this. So let's, let's talk about it. So that's one of the only things I would leave people with if you're really interested in doing ego work, because I would definitely say my shadow work started before my ego work. All right. So shine theory. Her name is Dr. Marielle Bouquet. I hope I'm saying that properly. She is a holistic therapist. Um, she's on Instagram. So, you know, we will link in, you know, the information later for folks to look up. And Marielle identifies as an intergenerational trauma expert. 
I recommend her because she, similar to other therapists on Instagram who have uh, or have had active accounts and larger followings, she posts a lot of very short to the point quotes that I feel like have been very timely for me when I've needed to hear some advice. You know, like Michelle was saying earlier about how, you know, you had um, an online feed that was feeding things about you that did not feel good. And I was at that same space at one, once upon a time. But as I've continued to curate my feed, because that's ongoing work, I was like, this is the information I want to see in my feed things that make me feel good, things that might challenge me or might be a message I need to hear that day. And she offers, here and there, she's done um, meditations or sound therapy. And so I really like it when um, people who are healers make that information very accessible to people. And so if you haven't heard of Dr. Marielle Bouquet, check her out on Instagram. Beautiful. Um, so the shine theory that I would like to recommend going along with the shadow work that Serena had talked about earlier is Quinn Barbour. I'm really hoping I'm saying her name properly. Quinn Barbour. She has a book called Momentum, a shadow work guide and journal, and it's supposed to help people with their shadow work and to be more aware of that. So if you want to work on some shadow work, be more aware of your ego. I would recommend that book to do some work on. And learn a lot more about yourself. Beautiful. She's I'm gonna add that to my list. Queer. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Doctor Bouquet is black. Um, I'm not sure if she's queer though, but that's all right. Yeah. We like we like the straights too. Sometimes. Yeah. I... <laughs> <laughs> For those who want to follow us on Instagram. You can follow us under For the Root Pod. That's at For the Root Pod. If you would like to email us and ask us questions that we will answer on the show once we get questions in, you can follow From the Root Pod or you can email From the Root Pod at gmail.com. Hey, thank you all for listening. We will catch you next time yeah. on From the Root Podcast. Peace out, y'all. Bye.